0: Today, we're concluding our series on anxious. As I've stated from the beginning of this series, four weeks ago, anxiety is a complicated subject, meaning that it can be psychological, emotional, it can be situational, but I personally believe it's always spiritual. And because God designed us as physical, psychological, and spiritual beings, it is wise to take a holistic approach when approaching or dealing with anxiety as a pastor i strongly suggest approaching god first when dealing with anxiety the scripture text that has been the anthem for this series is found in philippians chapter 4 why don't you turn there with me if you've got your bibles today philippians chapter 4 verse uh, beginning at verse 4 and going through to verse 7. it says rejoice in the lord Always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what gives most People m- the most anxiety. Any any guesses? It's when making a decision. Decision making gives people anxiety, and and a lot. That's where they struggle the most is with making a decision. Anybody today relate with that? You get all stress paralyzed with having to make a decision, and 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 some of you right now you may be trying to make a decision, and and the weight of that decision is weighing on you heavily and and your mind is racing and you feel overwhelmed and and you're feeling pressure and fear has kind of just gripped you. Why does making a decision get people all anxious? Because they're scared of making the wrong decision. Scared that their decision will be irreversible. And so instead, they remain indecisive. But that doesn't really solve a thing though you' you're standing still, your mind is racing and out of control and wearing you out and it's taking a toll on you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Is, is that you today? You're at a crossroads in your life and you can't seem to to make a decision uh, or, or there just doesn't seem to be a clear direction on which way to go. Well, I want to just tell you that the, I've titled the final installment of this, anxious series when you just can't decide. And the decision-making process can be a complicated one. And that's why we get all anxious. And the generation that feels the weight of this more than anybody else right now are those that are in high school or college or university. We call them Generation Z. Gen Z. And some believe that they are the most stressed-out generation in the history of the world regarding it as the Age of Anxiety. Here are a couple of reasons why we're so anxious when it comes to decision-making. Number one, we have too many choices. Too many choices! Psychologist Barry Schwartz wrote a book called The Paradox of Choice. Why more is actually less. In his book, he stated, instead of increasing our sense of well-being, an abundance of choice is increasing our levels of anxiety, depression, and wasted time. Whether you're deliberating between breakfast cereals or or a TV show, career paths, pension plans, or life partners, the, the amount of options out there can be overwhelming. Schwartz explores the stress people feel when confronted with ample opportunity and the regret that follows from choosing poorly. Like, whose fault is it other than mine? He also discusses the loss of presence. Why am I doing this when I could be doing that, rather? Our raised, our expectations with so many options, why settle for less? And our tarnished sense of self that comes from comparing our choices with somebody else's and the choices that somebody else makes. Like, why do I continue to pick the wrong things when so-and-so seems to always pick the right ones? And so our thinking that more choice brings about more freedom and more freedom brings about more happiness becomes challenged. The more options we're given doesn't make our decisions easier but rather more difficult. Before there was Netflix, Apple TV, Crave TV, Disney Plus, Prime Video, and all those other abundance of online streaming options Uh, before they were all made available, there was this one thing called Blockbuster. The superstore of all movie rentals, right? Anybody remember uh, Blockbuster? Lactobonnie? In Bonnie, we still have a corner store that still rents Blu-rays and DVDs today. Big shout out to my friends at Miles Corner. Back when Mulaney and I were newly married I'd go down to the local blockbuster to rent a movie. Back then, in those days, VHS was the thing. For all you kids watching and, and you're, uh, you're wondering what a VHS is, well think of it this way. It's like an oversized cassette. That you put into a machine called a VCR to watch a movie, and when you rented the VHS and you didn't rewind it back to the beginning, yeah, you had to rewind it, right? Uh, you got charged extra, and 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 their slogan was, I believe, was "Be kind, rewind." Those were the days, right? <laughs> I don't miss them at all. So here. Uh, I'd go and rent a movie from this enormous store that had aisle after aisle after aisle of movies from all different genres so there was all these options to choose from and, and you would think it would make it easy because I've got all these options but it would easily take me an hour or more just to finally pick one movie. And, and this was all before we had cell phones and, and I would finally walk in the door uh, at home and Melanie be like, "What took you so long?" I almost called 911 looking for you. Which I believe with all my heart that had she called 911 and informed them where I was actually headed to, they would have said, "Ma'am, it's okay." Just remain calm. We get these calls all the time from spouses just like you. Just wait a little bit longer. Your spouse will eventually return home. (laughs) The paradox of choice. Too many choices? The more options we're given only makes us more anxious. I don't know how true this is, But there's a popular belief out there that the average amount of choices an adult makes in just one day, in just one day, 35,000. That's 35 uh, choices that that an adult is faced with on average every day. So if you think of this, if the average person got six hours of sleep a night, that's 1,944 chances an hour. No wonder we're stressed out. The more options we're given only makes us more anxious. The paradox of choice, too many options. The second thing is fear of making a mistake. We feel tremendous pressure because we're fearful of making a mistake. That once we make a decision, that it's irreversible. Uh, uh, A lot of people suffer from what's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And, and, and those who love Jesus, I mean, is there people who love Jesus out there? I love Jesus with all my heart, and and, and that, but, and, and, and I so desire to do God's will, but how many times does that kind of stress you out? Many Christians battle with the fear of making decisions because they fear of being outside of God's will for their lives, and so they become anxious trying to figure out God's will for their life. What's God's will? What's God's will for me? For everyone, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we're all fearful to making a decision that could potentially have lifelong consequences. We feel all kinds of pressure to do just the right thing, right? And when it, gets, uh, when it comes to marriage, you gotta find the one, right? The one and only, the, the one who will change your life forever. After all, the, the vows that we say at our wedding are till death do us part, right? But when it, and when it comes to uh, your, your courses or, uh, or degree at college or university, you wanna get it right the first time or else you've wasted time, precious time, and precious money. When it comes to getting a mortgage for a house or a loan to buy a vehicle, there's all this kind of pressure because it's a huge financial commitment. And when it comes to choosing a career or applying for a job, there's all this kind of pressure of what happens if it's not quite the right fit for me or, or if I take this job and I'm going to miss out on this opportunity. Life is full of so many important decisions that we become fearful of making the wrong one. Many in our culture have become so indecisive because they're paralyzed by fear. And so it just seems, and and, and so it just all seems so complicated. Today, I want to try and uncomplicate it for you. What I want to do is pull out one simple yet profound principle that's found in Acts chapter 15. The book of Acts is an exciting book. It was written... Uh, by the same author who wrote the book of Luke. Guess what his name was? Luke. (laughs) Trick question. The book of Acts tells us of the birth story of the church. It's quite an amazing story of how it started, which is actually a whole other sermon uh, for another time, but there's this new movement that happens in Acts, and it's called the Way. It wasn't until Acts chapter 11 that these followers of the Way, this new movement, were actually first called Christians in the city of Antioch that was located in southern Turkey near the Syrian border. Uh, people by the thousands came to Christian or came, became Christians and converted over to Christianity. Churches started being planted all over the place, not just in Jerusalem. First, it, it, this movement started with the Jews uh, that had committed over to Christianity from Judaism. And then it was the the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Well, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked. Gentiles were, and still are today, people who aren't Jewish. I'm not Jewish, therefore I'm a Gentile. But here's where it gets a little complicated. You see, Jews and Gentiles lived very different lifestyles and believed very different things ever since god delivered the jewish people from 400 plus years of captivity in egypt they were they they were given strict rules and regulations to follow and today we call this the law of moses because it was the law that god gave to moses to pass along to the children of israel the jewish people and there were some very specific practices that were to be followed that even Jews found it very difficult to follow because there was like six, over 600 of these laws to follow. And, and some of those practices were to be observed shortly after birth. Well, Let's look here in Acts chapter 15 verse 1 to, to see what I'm talking about here. And it says this, It's says certain people came down from Judea, Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow, that's huge. Circumcision was first introduced back in Genesis chapter 17 when God made a covenant with Abraham. And all of those that were to be included in this covenant, this promise that God made, all had to be circumcised. And this was reiterated in the law of Moses. So the, new, the mindset was in the New Testament church among the Jews that if you were truly going to be a follower of Jesus, well, then you too had to be circumcised and you would have to follow these 613 laws uh, as we do, right? As, as the Jewish people did. And, and, and this was the Jewish practice, not the Gentile one which meant if you wanted to be a Christian, you must be circumcised. And this became a source of contention in the early church, especially for those who had, uh, that had led Gentile believers to the faith in Jesus Christ. Let's carry on in verse 2. Uh, it goes on and says, This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told uh, told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem... They were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the and elders, to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Catch this in verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now it was getting complicated. And, and this complication could have easily split the early church. And so something needed to be done and it needed to be done quickly. In verse 6 it goes on to say, The apostles and elders met to consider this question. How are they going to figure out this, a solution to this complicated issue? The big guns are all there. Influential leaders like Peter and Paul and Bar- uh, Barnabas and James now this is the same James who's the half brother to Jesus and and now he's the main leader of the church in Jerusalem. And so you know these are the big wigs. These are like the the big spiritual leaders of the church, the early church. And 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 everyone shared their peace uh, and 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 shared their concerns and 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 they were trying to sort this all out. And and I guess they kind of look at the end of the table and say, "Hey James, you've been pretty silent here." Um Hey, you were, you were a brother to Jesus. Um, you know, what would Jesus do in a situation like this? And I love what James says in verse 15. He says, It is written. It is written. And, and then he quotes what the prophet Amos wrote in, in about 750 to 6, 760 BC. And this is what it says uh, He said, After this, I will return and build David's fallen tent, its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago." and and then he gives his assessment of this whole situation and 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 this is found in acts chapter 15 verse 19 he says it is my judgment therefore that we should not make it difficult for the gentiles who are turning to god can i just say this god's word the bible is a timeless piece the words written on each page are not just for the people that were back then in the first century and and, and before then, but, but also for us today. There is a valuable wealth of wisdom and knowledge found within this book. It's God's timeless message to all of us. So here these guys were. They're trying to make uh, sense of these weighty theological decisions. They're trying to make these, these theological decisions that are going to impact the, the early church from, for, for, for generations to come and, and doctrinal decisions that determine someone's uh, eternal destiny. <laughs> no pressure, fellas. No pressure at all. They were all feeling the weight. But here's what the early church leaders uh, concluded. And this is found in Acts chapter 15, verse 22. It says, Then it seemed good... To get the apostles and elders, uh, or sorry, it seemed good to the apostles and elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. It says in verse 25, it says, It seemed good to us, having become one mind, to select men to send to you uh, with our beloved Barnabas. And Paul, and then in verse 28 it says, "For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials." And then they they go on to give what those essentials are. And it seemed good. It seemed good. It seemed good. In other words, it seemed right to simplify things and not to make uh, the it next to impossible by setting these impossible obstacles and barriers for those that were new to the faith. James' advice to the council was to simplify it. Don't make it complicated. Don't overcomplicate it. It's not the law that saves us. It's Jesus who saves us. What do you do if you don't know what to do? What do you do if Scripture just quite doesn't speak directly to the decision that you're faced with or trying to make? Because... If we were to be completely honest, what James read here uh, from the prophet uh, Amos, right? The prophet Amos wasn't speaking directly to their situation and didn't give them a list of, okay, so here's what you need to follow as Gentile followers come into the fold, right? This whole thing of, of just doing what seems good seems a little questionable though, doesn't it? It seemed good to the, the disciples. It seemed good to them, so this is what they decided. It seems a little questionable, especially when you think of what's written in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. And it says this, There is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Oh, great. It's the way that seems to de- Well, that makes it complicated. Thanks, Pastor, for showing me that the Bible contradicts itself. Well, who do we follow? What do we follow? Who's right? Who's wrong? Uh, Is there a, a way of not making this so complicated? If you're hanging around the wrong people, listening to wrong voices, and living for the wrong values, what seems right to us will often be wrong. Let me just say this again, if you're hanging out with the wrong crowd and you're listening to people whose opinions are very different from God's truth that's found in the Bible, if you're constantly or consistently following worldly values instead of spiritual values and you're surrounded by people that are not close with God, then oftentimes what seems right to us will actually lead us to something that's incredibly wrong. And that's what the author in Proverbs was trying to tell us, was trying to get across to his listeners. That there is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. So I'm going to show you how it's different in the New Testament. Let's go back to our text and take a closer look of what these these church leaders did. In in verse 22, it says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church. These men who were gathered were not just anybody. They were spiritual leaders of the early church. Uh, Some of these men spent considerable time, like three years, being discipled and mentored by Jesus Himself. It wasn't just one person doing what seemed good to them. It was the whole church. It was all of them. And then it goes on to say in verse 25, it seemed good to us having become of one mind. It didn't only seem good to one person, but the entire church. They were all in agreement, they were unified. And then it goes on to say this in verse 28 for it seemed good to the holy spirit and to us you see there's a big difference between something that seems right just to one single person then uh and that in the end leads to death then that that seems uh right to a whole community of faith-filled mountain-moving Devil-kicking, spirit-filled followers of Jesus who have been praying and seeking God's will and following the direction of His Holy Spirit. Don't miss this. They were able to act on what seemed right because the whole church was unified. The whole church was unified. They were in. in they were all in agreement. Listen, the church isn't a building, a denomination, nor a denomination or an institution. The church has always been and always will be a people. COVID-19 didn't cancel church. The, The government didn't cancel church. The devil didn't cancel church. I am the church, and you are the church, and we are the church together. The church isn't a building we go to on a Sunday morning, but it's an identity we embrace. We don't go to church. We are the church. The church is everywhere we go. Why is it that so often we feel anxiety or feel anxious? Maybe it's because we're trying to go about things on our own. In isolation of others, maybe maybe we've uh, bought into this mentality that maturity is, is being fully independent, not needing the help or the aid of others. And so we rely on what seems good to us rather than seeking God, seeking godly counsel from godly people and relying on God's Holy Spirit to guide us. Before I get to the real simple principle that I've been building up to, I, I want to, and 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 I, I want us to review what all we've learned in this series, real quick. Week one, we learned not to allow the distractions around us to miss out on the God who's right beside us. Week two, we learned that if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And last week, we learned that there are two different perspectives to every situation. We can either look at a cup as being half empty or half full. We can either sink in despair or raise a hallelujah. It's a matter of perspective. So what do you do when you just can't decide? The decision process has got you all stressed out. It seems too big, too weighty. You're anxious about making the wrong decision and know that God is near know that he is near saying I'm right here pray and, and seek God's counsel no matter what you're facing praise him in the midst of the chaos seek godly counsel from godly people and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in what seems good now for the simple principle anybody own a GPS Maybe your vehicle is actually equipped with one. I personally have this little Garmin uh, that sits on my dash and plugs into a cigarette lighter. Uh, I love it when I'm traveling alone because it speaks to me and gives me the correct detailed instructions of where to go and how to get there. Unfortunately, my wife doesn't always have the correct coordinates when we go on a trip together. And when she gives me directions, sometimes she tells me to make a turn only to find out later it was the wrong turn and then when i confront her that it was the wrong turn she replies like this well you didn't have to listen to me (laughs) getting a gps was good marriage therapy (laughs) anyways a a few summers ago we were on a trip to minneapolis as a family and uh, uh, for a family vacation. And Minneapolis is just a little bit bigger than Lake give or take, you know, about 436,000 people or so, you know, and change, and, and, and so I'm relying heavily on my GPS for directions. I mean, you got freeways that got exit ramps going every which way. And, and so we're headed to the Mall of America, and I miss our turn, our exit off the freeway. And I'm tense, I'm stressed, I'm panicked with, with anxiety and, and 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 then my good British friend Daniel. Daniel, the voice of my GPS, says these glorious words. You ready? Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Daniel was recalibrating our route so that I could make it to our destination. So that we can make it to our destination. Here's the very simple principle. Chances are you're going to make the wrong decision. In fact, wrong decisions may be inevitable and unavoidable. You may get the wrong intel that greatly affects the outcome of your decision. And this is the principle, that's okay. That's okay. Because God's Holy Spirit is what? Recalculating, recalculating recalculating so that you can be exactly where God wants you to be sometimes we've gone through all the proper steps seeking God seeking godly counsel from godly people and relying on God's Holy Spirit and when we finally do what seems good it turns out bad but the Holy Spirit is recalculating 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 Paul didn't panic when he went to rome as a prisoner instead of a preacher listen to what he said in romans 8:28 and now and and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose recalculating 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 god's got a plan and even if you veer off the path or or you make a wrong turn even if you're going in completely the opposite direction he has unlimited resources at his disposal to get you back on track recalculating 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 bad things happen to good people all the time but god's holy spirit is recalculating 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 what do you do when you can't you just can't decide Seek God in prayer. Seek godly counsel from godly people. Allow God's Holy Spirit to speak to you and then step out in faith by doing what seems good. And be assured that if needs be, the Holy Spirit has the power to recalibrate your route. I want to leave you with this verse as we close off this series, Anxious. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god And the god of peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus let me pray for you heavenly father i pray that those who have difficult decisions to make, I pray that you would give them the strength and the power they need, uh, Lord, to, to not live anymore, that they no longer have to live under the weight of, uh, of anxiety. I, I pray that, that, uh, that as we present our requests to you, Lord, I pray that you would open up heaven and give us the peace that goes beyond our human ability to fully understand. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to direct our steps so that we may please you in all we do. And Father, I pray for those who have not yet made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. I pray today that they would do so, admitting that they need saving from their sin that's, that's in the, 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 the sin that's in their life. Believing that Jesus is who He said He, is, was the one and only Son of God who died for the sins of all humanity and confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over their life. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen.